Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. Hello, Cross family. I do pray that you're having just a, an incredible week. Question for you. Have you lost your mind yet? Are you going crazy? I know the last month has had its share of challenges for all of us, and I would encourage you continue to persevere, stay strong in the Lord. Uh, I'm excited to dive back in today uh, in our series through the Gospel of John. If you've got your John journal, I would uh, just encourage you to pick it up right now, grab you a pen, make sure you're taking notes, uh, and I I just think you're going to be blessed today. We've titled this series, Believe, and it's based out of John 20, 31, where Jesus says, all of these things have been written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, you'll have life in his name. And the word believe means to be persuaded to action. It doesn't mean just to acknowledge. And so we believe. We're persuaded to action. We're persuaded to honor, obey, and trust Jesus. Now, John chapters 13 through 17, if you study it, it's an ongoing conversation that Jesus is having with the 12. And these five chapters, when you pick it up and begin to study it, it is packed with so much detail. And Jesus is basically saying to the, the, these 12 disciples, let me tell you what's about to happen. Let me illustrate. A few years back, my wife Barb and I had the opportunity to go to Israel. We went with some friends from Kansas City. Now, we were sent an itinerary about a month before the trip. And it told us where we would be going, where we would be staying, and what type of sites we would be visiting. It told us, you're going to leave Atlanta, you're going to fly to Newark, and then from Newark, you're going to fly to Tel Aviv. And once we arrived in Tel Aviv, you're going to spend the night at a certain hotel right on the Mediterranean. And then that next morning, you're going to get up and you're going to have breakfast. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to the Valley of Elah. And then we're going to go to Caesarea. And then to Mount Carmel. The itinerary was a, let me tell you what is going to happen on this trip. So we got a sneak preview into the trip. The itinerary created some incredible excitement inside of us. But it paled in comparison to what we would experience. Now, while we were there, I'll never forget that first morning walking out into the Valley of Elah where David had defeated Goliath. And we even grabbed a few stones from the brook there. Later that afternoon, I stood on Mount Carmel, and that is where Elijah calls down fire from heaven. These are two of my favorite Old Testament stories. I love them. Uh, We took a boat ride uh, a few days later across the Sea of Galilee the choppy waters. And while we're going across the Sea of Galilee, I thought, wow, this is where Jesus walked on water. Praise God, no way that I get to be here. We stood on the Mount of Olives. We walked through the Garden of Gethsemane. We floated in the Dead Sea. We went to the empty tomb. How powerful. He is not here. It was inscribed. He is risen. And I thought, hallelujah, our king is not here. It was an amazing trip. And we experienced what the itinerary tried to express. You get back into chapters 13 through 17. 
And Jesus is telling these guys, let me tell you what is about to happen. This was going to be a very, very hard, difficult next few days. Jesus would be betrayed. He would be beaten, murdered. He would be resurrected from the dead. And he's telling them it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough. The good news is I'm going to defeat death all in the grave. Now, here would be my question to you. If you knew you only had two days left on this planet to live, what would be your farewell conversation with your family, with your friends, with those closest to you? I promise you this. You would want to make this conversation count. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. Again, Jesus said, the time, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. The glory that Jesus is referring to is this. I am about to become the ultimate Passover lamb. I'm about to be glorified. I'm about to be crucified. What you're going to see is going to be amazing, but he would become the redeeming sacrifice once and for all to atone for sin. And he basically goes on to say in John 13, I will only be with you just a little bit longer. Get ready, boys. Live out your faith. Make sure you're loving each other because your love for one another is really going to prove to the world that you're truly my disciples. Simon Peter, he looks at Jesus in this conversation and he goes, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me right now to where I'm going, but you will follow me later. Jesus is having this heart to heart and he's telling them that he is about to confront the cross. He reinforces in this conversation that heaven's heart is all about loving one another. And we define love here as doing that which is most redemptive for other people. He basically is telling the guys, you're going to lead the way into the future. Get ready. I'm going to use you guys. And then he tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You will get scared. You're going to freak out. You're going to fail. And you're going to feel like a failure. But you're going to grow up during this time, Peter, and you're going to come to realize what it means to truly know me and love me and serve me. But he basically tells Peter, your flesh patterns and your human tendencies will get exposed. Conflict, tension, uncertainty, it exposes all of us. It exposes what we believe how we behave, what will cause us to lose our minds. When you start going through the grind of tension and uncertainty and pressure, it exposes us. And Peter was exposed. And you and I are being exposed right now. COVID-19 is messing with us. Being quarantined is jacking with our minds. Our rhythms have been altered. Life as we knew it is different. The coronavirus is exposing our weaknesses and our fears. It's exposing even what is hidden deep down inside of our souls. What has been covered by these invisible masks that we wear. We can't hide any longer. The real me is being seen. And the real you is being seen. Our addiction to comfort. Our obsession to be in control. Our desire to self-protect, the walls are being broken down, and it's revealing our illusions. It's disclosing our secret agendas right now. 
the corona. It's exposing the false gods that we worship, whether it be our health or sports or entertainment or even our hurried lifestyles. Our false sense of security is being exposed. Secret lust, our misplaced trust, we're being exposed. In three areas right now that I really see being exposed in all people is, one, the concern for personal health. I mean, be honest. The thought has probably entered your mind. Will I get the corona? And if I do, what will happen to me? For so many They're contemplating the meaning of life. Thoughts of eternity are starting to run through people's minds. The reality that we're all here only for a short period of time, people are contemplating their brevity. My nephew called me the other night from New York. He wanted to talk because he was scared, uncertain. He was being gripped with fear. And he said, Uncle Tim, I want to talk. And for me personally, I find myself thinking more about my family than I do myself. When I think about Barb, when I think about Hannah and Caleb, when I think about their compromised immune systems with cystic fibrosis, I'm like, wow, I want to make sure we're doing everything we can to be as strong as possible. I'm thinking about my mom and my dad. I'm thinking of Barb's mom and dad. And I'm starting to think about what does this look like for my family and even our friends and people inside of our fellowship. Another area that's being exposed is financial stability right now. For so many people, their security is connected to their money. And we've seen salaries decreased. The stock market is a roller coaster right now. And money is a necessary tool. But it is a terrible idol. Money is not the source of peace. But remove it, and it can make life very difficult and rough for us. And maybe for you, right now, you're sitting there and you're thinking, yes, the uncertainty of finances is weighing me down. For some, it's the fear of the future. What will tomorrow look like? What should we anticipate? When will this ever end? And for so many of us, we're strapped in that right now. Is this going to end anytime soon? How do we, even as a church, do effective ministry? Will this alter how we do work, school? sports, life in general, Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, guys, I want you to relax. Everything will turn out right. John 14, 1, Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he's implying that if you truly believe God, you'll believe me. But do not be troubled. And the word troubled in the Greek, it means to agitate. It means to cause inward commotion. It's to rid the mind of calmness. It's to disturb your rest. It's to strike one's spirit with fear. It means that you have become overwhelmed with anxiety and distress. Are you troubled today? What is weighing you down? And Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe me, trust me, press into me. Believe that I am sovereign and that I have this. And I personally believe for all of us, including me. I believe God is desiring to stretch your faith today. 
God is desiring to stretch our faith like never before. But we must be willing to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Don't be afraid. Jesus would even say that perfect love casts out all fear. God may want you to do something today. And you've got to stop and be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, all right, Lord, what are you asking me to do? God may want you to stop doing something right now. There may be something in your life that's weighing you down, keeping you off center. And he goes, stop it. What is God asking you right now to eliminate from your life? Is it a habit? What is going on in your life right now that God goes, you need to get rid of that? God may be asking you to give something today. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to give? What am I supposed to do? God may be asking you to say something to someone today that could literally change their life. Like apples of gold on settings of silver is a kind word spoken in the right circumstance. And God may be saying, hey, I want to use you as a donkey given divinity a ride today to speak a word over a person today. What is it? For some of us, God may be asking you just to shut your mouth. Shh, hush, you've talked enough. God may want you to sell something today and simplify your life. God may want you to buy something today for a person in need and be a blessing to them. God may want you to start something today. He may want you to start a ministry, a movement. What is God saying to you today? God may want you to end something today. You've been hanging on. You've been trying to make something work. And God says, stop. It's over. And it's been said, if the horse is dead, dismount. And God may be saying, stop it. But I know this, God wants you to love your neighbor today. He wants you to reach out to those around you. He wants you to extend his love to others. God wants to stretch your faith today. And Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. He goes on to say, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will also be. Jesus says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus quotes a very familiar practice of that day. It was the picture, the portrait of a betrothal, an engagement, a marriage. And this passage, when you study John 14, is all about celebration, not defeat. This was all about covenant and not death. And when you go back and study the Jewish marriage, it included a number of steps. Let me paint it up for you. The first step was the betrothal or the engagement. The groom would travel from his father's house to the home of the potential bride. The father of the groom made the arrangements and paid the price for the price to be. Think about this when you study John 14, that the father has sent the son on the mission. The father is willing to pay the ultimate price to redeem. Oh, it's so beautiful. And that was the portrait, or that is the word picture that Jesus is sharing during this day. So the father of the groom made the arrangements, and he paid the price, if you will, for the bride-to-be. And once the price was paid, the groom then would offer gifts. 
And he would say, hey, here is the price that you've asked for. The young man would then, uh, after meeting with a girl's father, he would declare, I am here to redeem your daughter to be my bride. The young man would pour a cup of wine. And he would take that cup of wine and he would sit it before that young lady. And the cup represents a blood covenant. And if she drank from the cup, what she was saying is, I accept your proposal and they would be betrothed. She would drink. And when they were betrothed, legally in that day, it meant that they were married. The young man would then, uh, he, would, he, he would settle the price, he would give some gifts, and the new bride-to-be would then start to anticipate his return. She would wear a veil over her face when she went out into public, indicating, I have been purchased, I belong to another. Second step, the groom would then return back to his father's house, and over the next few months, he prepared the accommodations of where he and his wife would live. He would prepare until his father came to him and said, son, go get your bride. He would wait for the father's voice. And even Jesus says, no one knows when the son will return. Only the father does. But he would wait until the father said, it's prepared. The third step is the groom would then go back to the bride. No one knew the exact time. He's coming back like a thief in the night, but it was usually about a year before he would return. He was coming back because he had already paid the price to have her, and she would be anticipating his return. Then the fourth step would be, after he came back and, and got his bride, he would return back to his father's house to consummate the marriage, and they would celebrate the wedding with a feast for the next seven days. The bride would remain in her bridal chamber for seven days during this time. Now, I want you to stop. Jesus is laying out an incredibly familiar uh, proposal, if you will, to the disciples. But I want you to ponder this. Jesus left the comforts of heaven some 2,000 plus years ago, and he came to the earth. This is the Father's world. The father sent the son on a mission, and he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to pay the price to redeem us. Jesus came to glorify the father. The father established what the asking price would be, and Jesus willfully came to honor the father, and he pursued us. We didn't pursue him, and he purchased us. Jesus poured out the new wine. He poured out his blood on the cross. And he paid the ultimate price. Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God. And Jesus then, because of what he's done, he offers us the cup. And Jesus says, come to me. Drink from me. If anyone is thirsty, I will give you living water. And when we receive the blood of Jesus as being the payment for our sin, we enter into covenant with him and we're declare, declaring to the Lord, we desire to drink only from your cup. We receive your payment of salvation. We receive your salvation. We receive your forgiveness. Have you drank from his cup? Have you received the gift of his salvation? 
Jesus is offering it to you today. And Jesus says, come to me. In a world that is crippled right now with confusion, turmoil, sin, and every kind of immorality, I can tell you as a follower of Jesus that the words that Jesus spoke should be a comfort to every believer that meditates and ponders these words. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe me. Trust me. Press into me. I've paid for you. I'm coming back for you. I'm preparing a place for you. And I can tell you, this was understood by his Jewish followers. The bride was to now live a life of purity, waiting for her bridegroom. She was redeemed. She was to now live sanctified, set apart. She belonged to a new lover. And that is how you and I are supposed to be living right now. We're to be living pure lives, holy lives, sanctified lives. I have been bought. I am under new ownership. And those of us who are truly saved, we are waiting for the return of Jesus. I believe that's why John would write in Revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And as believers, God says, you're set apart. And even Paul would write to the church of Corinth, and he would challenge the church. You need to be living a life of purity, holiness. You need to be separated and sanctified and set apart unto the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 2, Paul says, I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, and that one husband is Jesus Christ. Oh, memorize this verse here. But he goes on to say, I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve, tempted Eve, and led Eve astray with his craftiness, I'm afraid that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. You promised to wed your hearts and to yield your lives to Jesus. And Paul is saying, no cheating, no other lovers. God is jealous for you. Again, verse 3 has been so crucial for me in my walk with Jesus over the years. Do not, please do not allow anything to take you away from simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. Do not allow any other less wild lovers to sneak in and take your affection and your attention away from Christ. And I can encourage you right now, each and every one of us, we're to live each day in such a way that we're waiting for the return of Christ. Stay faithful. Keep surrendering. Allow Jesus to call all the shots in your life. Just declare, I belong to you. Earth is not my home. Jesus, I am yours. I beg you today, sanctify Jesus Christ as the Lord and master of your life. Jesus has gone back home. He is in heaven with the Father, but he is preparing a home for his bride, and one day, He's returning for the church. And reality is, it could be today. It could be tonight. What an awesome promise of hope. Do not let your heart be troubled. 
Do not allow inward commotion and turmoil and distress overtake you. Give all your cares and worries and fears to your lover. Jesus then, he pauses as we, as we read through John 14, and he promised to the disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus says to them, the Father will give you another helper. He will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. He will abide with you and will be in you, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be fearful. I'm giving you my strength, and my strength is the Holy Spirit. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he bowed and he gave up the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the peace of Jesus in us. It is the power of God in us. The Holy Spirit gives us power to live life every day. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And Jesus said the helper, the parakletos, that means the one that's going to come alongside. He will empower us to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. He will strengthen us so that we do not lose heart when things are going crazy around us. The Holy Spirit will give us power so that we can stand firm until the end, so that we can endure whatever pandemics we face, so that we do not have to fear COVID-19. I'm going to give you power. And the Holy Spirit is our daily guide. Even Jesus said, the, the helper, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will convict us of sin, convict us of righteousness, convict us of judgment. The helper allows us to even see what dwells inside of our heart. If there be any deceit, any sin, anything going on, the Holy Spirit is God's searchlight. It is the presence and peace and power of God inside of us. He goes, I want you to see what's inside. I want to help perfect you and correct you every day. And the Holy Spirit is our guide. As we walk, as we talk, even the thoughts that we have, he goes, the Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to guide you. He's going to be power. And then he says the Holy Spirit's going to intercede for you. There's going to be times where you're going through life and you're going to start getting beat up. And yes, the pressures and tensions are going to come your way. But the Holy Spirit is going to take what Jesus said and bring it back to your remembrance. He's going to pray for you. He's going to go before you. Oh, praise God for the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us today. He lives inside. He's praying. He's interceding. He's going before us. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts, and the Holy Spirit will empower us to walk in victory. Jesus even says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I, I, I'm not just going to take off, and you're going to be left by yourself. I am sending my power, my presence, my perspective, my strength, my peace. I'm giving it to you, and it's going to be in the person of the Holy Spirit. So here's my close to you. Even Jesus would say here in John 14, he who has my word and keeps my word, he truly loves me and I love him and I will disclose myself to him. He goes on to say, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words 
and my father will love him, and we will make our dwelling with him. Let me encourage you as I close up today. Obey Jesus. Embrace Jesus. Anticipate the return of Jesus. Live every day. Live every moment as if Christ could come right now. And I encourage you, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Trust God. And I invite you right now, I invite you right now to just repent, confess, and surrender everything you have to the Lord. Jesus said, guys, here's what's about to happen. And it happened. And I can tell you, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God. One day, you and I are going to stand before God. We're going to give an account for the way we've lived life. And I want to encourage you to be prepared for that. And so, again, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And when I talk about repent, I'm talking about changing your source. I'm talking about turning from everything else that you try to find identity in and turning only to Jesus. When I talk about confess, I'm, I'm really saying we've got to be willing to say what God says about his son. We've got to be willing to say what God says about sin. And then we surrender and yield. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for John 14. Thank you for this powerful, just rich, just packed full of treasure chapter that you've given us. And Lord, for my friends that are sitting there, even this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus, some have never repented. Some have never turned from sin. I'm not talking about just acknowledging you. Lord, I'm talking about turning from sin. Anything, Father, that we've been plugged into, anything that we've trusted outside of you, we, rep we, we repent. We say, I don't, I don't want that anymore. And we, we, we come to you and we confess, Jesus, your Lord, your master, your authority, your savior. I want your salvation. I, I'm desperate for your forgiveness. I need your leadership and lordship in my life. Just surrender to him right now. I yield to you. Take over my life. Make me the person you desire me to be. Lord, I'm sick of me, and I so desperately need you to lead my life. Thank you for pouring out the Holy Spirit, the helper, the power, the intercessor that the Holy Spirit is, my strength, my God, my eyes, my wisdom. Oh, I need you. And then, then just tell the Lord right now, Lord, I will know your word. I will keep your word. I will obey your word. Lord, I will walk in the fullness of what you've called me to. So, Father, thank you again just for an incredible day of worship. Lord, thank you for just this incredible time of pondering the power of the gospel that is buried in John chapter 14. And I pray for each and every one of my friends as we continue to engage in worship now. I pray that our hearts would be hearts filled with just adoration that we would just walk in the celebration of who the risen Christ is. Thank you that in all things we're more than conquerors through Christ who has loved us. We yield to you for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. 
We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. We pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.